0: This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by USAA. USAA is passionate about what they do, ensuring the financial security of the military community and their families. And as an employer, USAA creates conditions for employees to succeed. USAA is hiring for customer service reps, designers, developers, insurance, banking, and more. Visit them online and see over 200 jobs available. It's an organization that provides opportunities for you to collaborate, create, and lead. Find your purpose with USAA. Visit usaajobs.com and join the team. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, the best podcast ever with no alternative facts, period. Now, i got to say, that one comes from a Twitter handle that I can barely pronounce, do on Twitter, but the alternative facts <laughs> intro, by far the most popular suggestion we've ever gotten for an episode of this show.
1: It was like trending in it's- our own little, little world.
0: <laughs> in our tiny, <laughs> tiny little world, but we love your intros, keep sending me in. Anyhow, I am Neil Patel, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge, I'm joined as always by my friend, Verge, executive editor, Recode editor-at-large, Walt Mossberg. How's it going, Walt?
1: It's going great, Eli. It's it's really great this week. Oh, man. <laughs> it's really great. I, I know how we're pa- starting, and the I, I don't like it already. Super Bowl bound. The Patriots are Super Bowl-bound.
0: The Patriots are Super Bowl-bound. And where they'll be defeated by America's
1: team, uh, the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. No, I, <laughs> the, I, think, the, I think America's team... <laughs> is the Trump White House I, apparently <laughs> yeah. I don't know
0: uh, Isn't that what he said? Yeah, yeah, that's what he's calling. It. He's 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 going to get Jerry Jones to come in and win. Yeah. It was sad for me, I will say that the, the Packers lost in in spectacular fashion. Did the fashion. Packers lose? But I will do my best for you Walt to try and root for the
1: Patriots. Uh you know, I I really appreciate that. Um I I'm very I am sad that it's not a Packers Patriots Super Bowl cuz we could have had it a lot of fun with that and I also think with no disrespect to the Falcons who are really impressive and I think I think it's going to be an incredibly close game but I think it would have been super cool to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady up against each other. Walt is
0: definitely like you're dissembling here. Walt sent me an article. He texted me a Boston (laughs) Globe article that was we have to play the Packers because that's the best story when the Patriots beat them.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> he's like I'm all these other teams are fine, thing. but no way, the legend of Tom Brady
1: requires that he defeats Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> no, it's just—I <laughs> mean, it's a—it's it, always a great story when two storied leaders of teams, because there were many other great athletes on all these teams, uh, face off and and with again no respect to Matty Ice,
0: no disrespect, um,
1: no disrespect. <laughs> you um, thank you you know he hasn't he hasn't been had a season like this before, and so he hasn't yeah. he isn't usually in the conversation of who are the greatest quarterbacks he is this year, but he hasn't isn't you know has isn't over the <laughs> many years and you know Brady has been for a long time and and aaron rodgers has been for a little bit shorter time but still a pretty long time and that would have been a great story period and we and what are we about if we're not about great stories
0: that so. is true. And I would have been much happier
1: uh, instead of being crushed. But (laughs) basically, whatever's good for the podcast is good for America. Yeah. That's what you want for all
0: things is content for control alt delete.
1: You'll notice uh, we're only hiring American citizens to work (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) I don't know, man. That didn't used to be our policy, but now it is.
0: Yeah. It's great. (laughs) You got uh, yeah. the memo, right? Yeah, we're going to so. forward that to the White House. Please, please approve us for distribution <laughs> right. on government-sponsored radio. Anyway, uh, speaking of Titans uh, meeting, falling, failing, you reviewed, kind of surprisingly when you said you were going to do this this week, I was surprised. You took a look at what's going on with Firefox this week, right? Um, which, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with the story of Firefox, which at one time was the dominant browser platform out there, uh, and then fell into a state of dramatic disrepair, and now it seems like the company's rebooting itself, they're refocused on browsers and not whatever else they were doing for some time, Uh, and it seems, I don't, I'm not going to say they're back on track, but they're saying kind of the right things again. And they're doing
1: kind of the right things again. Um, So, I started out as kind of uh, an idea to do a review of Firefox, just because nobody talks about it. hasn't been around for a while. So what's going on there? Here's a, something that was a sort of the first thing you did when you got a new laptop, whether it was Windows or Mac, was you typically downloaded and installed Firefox if you were a savvy user, because it was very fast, and it was stable, and it was very extensible, and it had a lot of privacy built in. And that was about... 5 years ago. And it actually got up to a share of over 30%. It never w- was I wouldn't call it dominant because IE just by b- being bundled with Windows was at one point IE was 90 80 90%, but Firefox eventually got up to over 30%. Um, and it was the it was the it was the go-to alternative. IE was just like an open highway for every bad actor on the internet uh, to do malware through. Mm. And you, so you went to Firefox. You, you got the benefit of better security, better privacy, more ad- extensions and add-ons and plugins that work well with it. And it was faster. It was always faster. And then it began to lose that. Uh, and uh, then Chrome came along right about – when Chrome came along, it began to lose that. And then Chrome Chrome is now dominant. Chrome is now over 50% on desktop, but more importantly, over 50% on mobile, where Firefox is like 0.57% by at least the measure that uh, um, they use and, and, and that's used by other people. Uh, and um, the reason is fascinating. This company, which is a nonprofit – I think a lot of our listeners know this, called the Mozilla Foundation. They have a kind of corporate arm called the Mozilla Corporation, but the whole thing is a nonprofit. Um, they pivoted in the year 2013, right at the beginning of the year, and for three straight years put... At least, according to the interview I did for the for this column, they put almost all their resources, almost all their people, on this sort of doomed project. I'm <laughs> not sort of doomed project to build a mobile operating system to take on Android and to a lesser extent iOS on low-priced phones sold uh, mostly in. Uh, developing countries, and the operating system was a web-based kind of because Mozilla's cr- big credo, which our which our friend Dieter Bone subscribes to and talks to me about often, uh, is about the open web and you know kind of apps and search and the concentration of power um, in the hands of a few companies being bad. This was a web-based OS. It completely failed, and I think I mean I, it seemed. Like a fool's errand to me when they started, and I actually did an onstage interview. With Wait, the then we have CEO. the audio. No, we do. We <laughs>
0: have the audio. Uh, this is Walt interviewing the CEO of Firefox on stage. Walt, you want you want to keep setting it up a little bit?
1: Oh, so the guy's name was Gary Kovacs. Uh This was at a, 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 a D Dive into Mobile conference, which was one of our smaller conferences that we did at All Things D. Which is a website that Kara and I, Kara Swisher and I, founded, mm-hmm. and um, he he came on. He was about to re- resign, uh, but he was also the big news was they were launching this this platform, and that's that's the setup. There are two b- pieces of big news. One is that you're resigning, which we'll get to, uh, and the other is that Firefox is making its own mobile operating system. So, what the fuck? Why are you- Classic Walt, I have to say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, and th- there was an answer, but the the answer was was basically like, this is a failed, bad idea. Um, and actually, Dieter and I yesterday were talking. The number of companies who looked at the state of the phone market and said, "Well, we there's no way we can compete against the Apple Android onslaught in the U.S. or you know even throughout Europe. We're gonna go and take a worse product and try to sell it." In developing emerging markets, that number is actually shockingly high, right? Yeah. BlackBerry tried to do it. Uh, Nokia tried to do it with Windows Phone, and Microsoft bought Nokia and they tried to do it with Windows Phone. Nokia had previously tried to do it with Symbian. Uh, Google is still trying to do it with Android One. It, right? I, to me, it's this notion that oh, well, you know, we can't roll with the big boys in the developed countries, um, in the developed markets. We're going to go into, quote-unquote, emerging markets with worse products that have less thinking and support behind them, and that'll be fine. I mean, it's it's a graveyard because it turns out people just want good stuff no matter how emerged their market is. They're going to gravitate towards the better product no matter Well, it's what. like
1: unloading all, your, all, all the things the FDA disapproved of mm-hmm. in the United States onto these countries, which happens, by the way. Um, and – It was particularly bad for Mozilla because Mozilla is relatively small and it has one product. It has had more than one product, but has one product that ever was really successful and popular, and that was the Firefox browser. And it wasn't able to do this other product and keep improving the Firefox browser. And this is what was explained to me, and when I uh, reported on in, in the column this week, it was it was a sort of the guy. Uh, his name was Mark Mayo, who's the senior vice president in charge of Firefox, but also a member of what they call their steering committee, which is their decision making operating committee for the company. Told me it was like a bet the farm, bet the farm project to do this OS, and during that time. They basically let Firefox deteriorate and paid minimal attention to it, and it fell. Uh, it's not just market share, but even in its its underlying technologies, it just fell far and far behind Chrome and um, uh, uh, the new Microsoft. Actually, did a new browser in that time period, Microsoft Edge, and Apple's Safari. Um, it fell behind, and. They they have spent all of 2016 just trying to catch up on one or two fundamental things, the principal one being making – re-architecting their engine, which is very ancient. It's called Gecko. Uh, They inherited it, I think, from Netscape, I want to say to to work in such a way that if a te- there were separate processes for each running tab yep so if one crashed the whole thing didn't crash well gecko like, br-
0: gecko used to be the the hot shit
1: right i mean it used to be Everything when it, when was, it came yeah. out it was
0: light years faster and they just let it
1: rot basically that's right that's right and you know they're, they're they 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 had a lot of management politics that were nothing to do with with any tech stuff, but there were management politics. And uh, I think that hurts any company, but particularly a relatively small company, and uh, partic- particularly one with a kind of mission and an open source uh, approach and a and a foundation, uh, you know, nonprofit approach. And so th- they went down this blind alley of doing this, you know, WTF project <laughs> to make this phone. And <clears throat> they let Firefox uh, just lapse. Right. And. Um,
0: but if you think about the dynamic at that time, and we we have talked about what's going on with Apple and their apps on the phone, they can't put, let's say they had improved Gecko. They can't put Gecko on the iPhone, right? So they they didn't want to use Apple's, uh, Webkit rendering engine for their product. They couldn't. They're not allowed to put Gecko on it. Just as Google isn't allowed to put the core rendering engine of Chrome on the iPhone. They have to use Webkit on the
1: iPhone, and they mess well, it up in Chrome. I mean, it's a fork but, of Webkit anyway. But well, okay. now but
0: now they have their own. They forked it, right? It's the Google's their own engine called Blink. You know, it's like a whole thing. Yeah. But they weren't. Mozilla was not allowed to be to pursue their strategy that worked really well on Windows and the desktop, right? They could go out into the world and say, Internet Explorer, the default browser that Microsoft ships is bad. Use Firefox, make that your default browser, and that's how we get our, mic- our market share, and we have better web rendering technology. They were not, and they still are not, allowed to do that on the phone. So if Well, I'm you, not
1: sure it's better web rendering well, uh, better, faster, technology more on iOS. That I'm not sure of. But they can't, even, they can't make that work- argument.
0: Is what I'm saying. They can't put no, their stuff on the phone. They can't.
1: But this is, to me, this is another example of what happened to them, um, you know, of their decline and also of what's changed. So, uh, in addition to the desktop uh, and the Android thing falling apart, falling apart's a little strong, but falling down to a to a to a usage percent, a share of market percentage that is too low to be sustainable. And let me just digress for a second and mention the numbers. They give a number which is actually, they claim is very marginally up uh, in the last couple of years. It had been falling and falling and it's kind of stabilized at this number. It's right around 12%. It's a little over 12%. I asked Mark Mayo, who was fairly candid in the interview and on the record. It's not that usual for a tech executive in a company that's in trouble to be able willing to go on the record he said look this isn't we can't this is not a sustainable number i said what's your minimum viable number he said probably a solid 15 percent on the desktop and some unspecified higher number mobile and uh aspirationally he'd like to get back to 20 Mm percent which um you know some analysts say they had briefly as recently as 3 years ago before they started this this uh, phone project so the iPhone case is a great case they were so pure in their minds that they they put their browser on android i don't know how well it did but i but i suspect it suffered like the desktop browser from inattention for the years 2013 2014 2015 Till they gave up on the phone project and during the management turmoil that took place mostly in 2014. Um, they wouldn't put it on iOS because of what you just mentioned, which is that Apple has this rule that the underlying rendering engine has to be uh, Safari WebKit. You can put whatever UI on it you want and do whatever syncing with your desktop browser you want and all the other things you, you might want to do. But the ultimate rendering engine can only be one rendering engine and that was even Chrome, which is on iOS, uses that. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to do it. They were too pure. In November 2015, I think is when it happened, they finally went on iOS. Why did they go on iOS? Because they finally realized that the average iOS user, according to Mayo, does a ton more web browsing than the average Android user, even though there were a lot more Android users. And they were like cutting off their nose despite their face <laughs> by being so pure that they were not on iOS. Yep. So they went on iOS, and not only did they go on iOS in November 2015, but in November 2016, they brought out what you and I both agree, I think, is a pretty cool product called Firefox Focus, which is a very stripped down but but very fast and very kind of nice browser that um, actually blocks all tracking. Yep. Uh
0: It's a totally privacy-focused browser. It's
1: a totally privacy-focused browser with a lot of bells and whistles. Um, It it actually grew out of an add-on they made for Safari that blocked tracking. They decided to make a whole product out of it. Again, does it use their rendering engine? No. Their rendering engine happens to be terrible anyway at the moment, although they have many plans, as I pointed out in the column, to make it better. But... um, it doesn't use their rendering engine, but it does give them a differentiation, uh, and so they made a whole product out of it. So the point I tried to make in the column is they're kind of awake again about this. They spent all year catching up, clearly catching up. They admit this; they're not, you know, just just on this. They claim it was the biggest change to their underlying code they'd ever made, which was just to change the way processes work. Um, you know, in the browser. Now they're on to do two other big things with Firefox. One is called uh, Quantum, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a new rendering engine to replace Gecko. Now, technically, they're not throwing all of Gecko out, keeping parts of it, but big, big chunks of Gecko are being replaced by Quantum. And some of the work they did on the failed phone platform is informing that effort, but it's a big... Giant engineering effort that they wouldn't have made; they didn't have the resources to make while they were trying to, you know, in futility, go up against Android in on phones. Second thing they're doing is a thing called uh, the context. Am I getting this right? The context graph, yeah, which is um, an effort to replace. Navigational search—that is, if I ask where was Abraham, if I ask Google, whether in voice or in typing, where was Abraham Lincoln born, that's not navigational. That's I'm asking for a fact. But if I ask, lots of people are typing all day into search boxes, web web addresses, mm-hmm. or where can I, you know, where's the nearest good Greek restaurant or something. Um, that's kind of navigational, and they think. There are ways to take your search history, to use the browser as a tool that will replace the need for navigational search or a lot of the need for navigational search by applying machine learning, uh, a little AI, uh, uh, using a a thing that they think will work and still respect privacy, which is exactly the same thing Apple is using called differential – what's it called? Differential privacy? Yep,
0: differential privacy.
1: And uh, they're all into that. They claim they were actually working on it before Apple started talking about it. And, um, you know, they are very dedicated to the browser and to the, and to the open web. And they very much worry about Google in particular on search uh, being, uh, you know, kind of a narrowing the funnel on the web. Apple in particular on apps. Both Apple and Google on apps narrowing the funnel into the web. And they want to they want to keep people on the open web, visiting a lot of sites, using the browser as a better tool. They want to upgrade navigation on the browser. So the point of the column wasn't to... I'm not predicting they'll succeed. I'm not picking them. I wouldn't pick them today over the other browsers because I don't think they're there. But uh, at one time I did. Yeah, I actually I have mean, that line here. Um, I
0: it, it, Actually, the two... The two older columns that I have really tell a whole little story just in two lines. So
1: uh,
0: here's Walt, June 5th, 2008. Mozilla Firefox 3.0 is the best browser for web, dash, for now. This is obviously in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Walt writes, my verdict is that Firefox 3.0 is the best web browser out there right now and that it tops the current versions of both Internet Explorer and Safari in features, speed, and security. Then a year later... July 15th, 2009, the Wall Street Journal uh, headline is, in browser wars, the new Firefox loses some edge. A year later, Walt writes, in this round of the war, Mozilla's product no longer stands out as clearly superior for two reasons. First, Firefox has lost its traditionally biggest advantage, greater speed than its rivals. Second, this version of Firefox has relatively few new features, and some of them are merely catch-ups to those introduced by Microsoft and Apple. So in just the space of a year... It faced huge competition. That is just when the mobile revolution was kicking off in full throat, and as we've laid out pretty thoroughly now, they lost focus on their browser, got distracted by Firefox OS, and now they're trying to bring it back. So the question and it was just
1: when Chrome was coming out, and yeah, and this important. is
0: Chrome, and Chrome was about to accelerate above them. So, to me, the questions are: I think everybody knows that I am a huge proponent of the open web. I think everyone knows that. Dieter and I disagree on many things, including NFC North football teams, uh, but (laughs) Dieter is- (laughs) Well, the
1: Vikings, you know, not this year, but anyway, go (laughs) ahead. Some
0: year, Dieter. It's going to happen for you, buddy. But Dieter is also a huge proponent of the open web. Um, And I think Mozilla's posture against Apple and Google is really interesting because Apple's you know, services revenue platform is the phone and apps. They're doing subscription apps now, and they use all these backend internet technologies that are core to the web to service the apps, but it's not the open web. There's nothing about that that is, And Walt, well, I know you're going to argue with me about this, but there's nothing about that, that that's open, right? Their app stores, anybody can put stuff into it, but it doesn't have the openness of the web. You can't build an alternative browser. You can't put just anything you want in there. There's rules around what content is permissible, it's, that's their revenue model and that's what they're sticking to and they've been very successful with it but that's their model Google's revenue platform is the web and they are very close I think to being the only company that has monetized the entire web in the way that only Google can do right they we last week we talked a lot about ads Google runs the biggest ad server on the web they run the biggest basically yeah, they're, everything they're, that you see on the web that's they're money. helping
1: to ruin the web
0: right and they're and, and they're they're doing all of that and then they to absolutely dominate search which is the way people navigate on the web. I think Mozilla sitting in between saying, well, if you go too far in Google's direction, that's bad. And if we go too far in Apple's direction, that's bad. And we have some ideals and values about what the web should stand for. Right. Namely, which is the content on the web should be available to any browser, any app that can meet these standards that renders it correctly and that users should have control over what's happening in that exchange. That's the open web in a nutshell. I think it's really interesting for them to come back and say, wait, for a minute, the web browser competition was really interesting and good for users, and we should still have it, and we'll figure out some other products and services to put on iOS around privacy and tracking. That seems great. They just have to execute. This episode of Control-Walk-Delete is also brought to you by Vivint Smart Home. Not long ago, the term smart home simply meant a remote-controlled home. But now, there's a company that's worthy of the intelligence that the title smart home implies, Vivint Smart Home. As the number one smart home provider in the United States, Vivint Smart Home is already used by more than a million customers and counting. With all the smart cameras you'll need from indoor, doorbell, and outdoor wireless security cameras, to smart thermostats, locks, and voice-controlled Amazon Echo, you won't believe how many unexpected conveniences Vivint offers. Whether you're traveling or in the middle of a busy day, you can easily adjust your thermostat, lock and unlock your doors, check the live feed of your cameras, all right from your phone on Vivin's 4.5-star rated app. Best of all, you get award-winning, around-the-clock professional security monitoring, which may help you qualify for a 15 to 20% discount on your homeowner's insurance premiums. And with Vivint's free, customized smart home consultations and free professional installation, getting a smart home is simple and easy. With all the benefits that the Vivint smart home and security system offers, it's no wonder they are the number one smart home services provider in the United States. Go to Vivint.com slash Walt to learn more. That's V-I-V-I-N-T dot com slash Walt.
1: In the column, I concluded that I wasn't sure they could execute. But I think they've done, you know, their promises are not Totally vague. They're being very specific about what they're doing, and there are, you know, there are there are links in the column to long blog posts. They've, they've, they've <laughs> for done. a
0: while, the only thing Mozilla consistently shipped was long idealistic blog
1: posts. <laughs> well, but but these are fairly recent. These are like from October, and I mean these are fairly recent that describe the projects they're working on. And they have very, very specific goals. I mean, look, this was a company that was literally lost. Mm-hmm. Um, they had none of these things going on during the, the I would say, in twenty say twenty fourteen. They just didn't. They was they they were all in on this Firefox OS phone thing, and there is still like a little remnant of that trying to get into IoT devices and things. But I don't think it's they're they're basically back to saying, you know what? We're basically a browser company. And the key to this open web idea we have is for the browser to be the main tool. And we need to do something about that. Right.
0: That really, and that, so here's the big presupposition there. Right. That traditional desktop computing, where they can go and be the default browser, is going to persist. Right. Because if, I don't know, let's say randomly, Android tablets are all the rage next year.
1: Yeah, just to that's pick one happen.
0: ludicrous hypothetical example, <laughs> yeah. there you know, Android tablet ship with the Play Store with Chrome pre-installed. It you can switch <clears> the <throat> default on Android, but it's it that's a hard. You've got to do something dramatically better than Chrome on Android to start winning that war for users. That's that's t- I mean, it's Google's not going to give well, up that fight easily.
1: They're claiming their new engine will be dramatic. This quantum thing will right. be dramatically better. Uh, it, it better be, or they're screwed. Right. And but
0: so then, the, the, then the worst examples. Let's so say, I'm, let's say I'm Apple always figures out the with... iPad next year. Yeah. Th- th- let's say the iPad ta- just <laughs> f- finally dominates all laptops. Laptop sales go to zero. Apple shut. I mean, again, <laughs> ludicrous hypothetical, but <laughs> right. Draw it all the way out. Right. Where does Firefox fit in a world where everyone just carries around an iPad?
1: Oh, it's there. Well, all they can all they can iterate there on is. UI stuff and privacy stuff, mm-hmm. really, and Apple is also in the privacy game in a big way. So that's <laughs> even hard. that's pretty hard. Yeah. But yeah, that would be a bat, really bad. They had, there's look there's tons of obstacles for them. But if they're really only asp- aspiring to get to twenty percent, that might not be unrealistic. And because none of those scenarios are going to happen, there's still going to be a healthy mix of desktop in there. Uh, I've said often, and I stick with this, that my use of my laptop has dropped by about fifty percent uh, uh, because of my phone and especially my tablet. And but that's still fifty percent. I'm using my laptops, uh, you know, a reasonable amount of time. I mean, I'm using one right now. You probably are too. I am. Um, and so it's not as if we never open our laptops. And so if they make a great browser on the laptop, if they make a browser that uses fewer resources than Chrome, it's not like there's no opportunities here. Chrome was a really good browser. It's become the go-to browser. But the truth is that Chrome sucks a ton of resources Mm -hmm. on uh, on both Mac and Windows. And uh, Microsoft in particular has been making uh, hay about this or a big deal about it. Um, it uses battery. It uses uh, – just slows the processes on the computer down. I mean you get beach balls if you're on a Mac when you use Chrome. At least I do. I don't know about you. I do yeah. more than on Safari. Safari's problem, in addition to a low market share, which I don't think Apple really cares about, is that in my opinion, I think it crashes more often. It doesn't crash all the time, but it crashes more often than it should – uh, edge still has a very low i mean actually ie and the numbers i looked at had a higher market share than edge yep ie is still somewhere in the 20s uh, and edge is very low it's around where safari is and firefox is to be honest they're all sort of bunched in there edge might even be a little less i don't know maybe a little more but i mean they're all bunched around there uh, so edge is not like edge is taken off in a huge way there's all these people whoever's buying pcs is installing Chrome. Whoever's buying Macs, they're installing Chrome. But Chrome is not without its issues. Yeah, And so there, there's a narrow window for Firefox to become the preferred alternative to Chrome as the leader or whoever becomes the leader. And, I don't think there's any opportunity for them to become the leader, particularly with mobile.
0: And I think their focus on privacy is actually also really interesting in this moment. I mean, we've seen stats that encrypted chat apps like Signal and WhatsApp, are they're just taking off right now because right. for whatever reason, the new administration has prompted people to think about privacy and surveillance and, in a big way. And that we, we ran a big feature on it. Everyone should go read it. But Signal is just having a moment because people want encrypted communications.
1: Well, I, I, I actually think VPN is also doing some similar things happening with VPN yeah. since the election.
0: So uh, there's a big moment here, I think, for for Mozilla to say, hey, you've always, in the back of your mind, worried about Google knowing everything about you. We don't want to know anything about you. We just built this really fast browser that works well. The question for them, same question basically for Apple, can you do all the feature stuff that people like without all the data that Google says it needs to do all the feature
1: stuff? Well, and that's, okay, so what caused me to think this was worth a column was when I discovered... I mean, my initial thought was hmm, everybody used to use Firefox. I had recently been using it a little bit and was reminded that, you know, it could be, depending on the web page, it could be pretty fast. Uh, it actually is, I said meh because I think it really depends on the page on a lot of pages, I put it on my computer trouble. yesterday
0: and I found it to be still pretty slow.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what they say is if you buy a $400 PC, Mm -hmm. Uh, where uh, Chrome is going to really tax the resources. They think they can beat Chrome on most of those machines even now, even before they fully fix their browser. But – and I didn't test that. But um, I agree with you. I think there's a shot and I think the two things they're trying to do, one is this new engine, which they're arguably overdue on, they're going to do. Uh, and that will help if, it, if they if they execute it. Yeah, they got to ship. Se- that's a big one. And secondly, this context graph respecting privacy and allowing you to, to do a lot more sophisticated navigation from within the browser without going to a search uh, company, which will uh, try to learn everything about you. That could be really interesting. Again, if they execute, but they have to execute.
0: Yeah, and that's they have that, ha- that second they one have is to a big. It's a big promise, right? We're gonna we're gonna find a way to help you. He actually said it's navigation by context, not by Google. I think that was his quote. Um, right,
1: by the browser, not by Google. Uh, by yeah. the browser, not by Google.
0: That's a yeah. You know, that's a big shot across the bow of Google. Um, but I think yeah. it is. It's an opening, right? The, the right now, the the biggest protector of the web is Google. And I think that is fine. It's good to have a big company that. It was looking out for a platform that I think is vibrant and necessary. But it's good to have another company focused on sort of what the ideals of that platform should be. Because the web is a thing that it shouldn't be closed by one company. And if there's a danger to Google, it's that no other company has managed to create as much revenue off the web as Google basically ever and so their instincts are to protect that revenue and to grow it in different ways and not to let it be as open as it possibly could be. There's a yeah, lot so of argument in there. I'm, I'm necessarily glossing over many, many, I know many you fine details. But and that is I'll the give, broad stroke of the argument.
1: And I'll disagree with you a little bit uh, and also in a very summarized high-level way. I am not – as troubled as you and Dieter and other people are about openness versus clo- – I mean I have different definitions of open and closed and as you noted earlier. Uh, I don't think uh, – um, I don't think those are the only metrics. I think things like the web becoming just drowning in ads and commerce and, and this theft of privacy at every turn – it may not be closing the web. So if you're using an open-close continuum, it may have no impact on that. And yet it is a serious threat to the use of the open web. And Google is complicit in that, highly complicit in that. So you call it a protector of the web. I would say it's a huge contributor to the, the ruination of the web Yep. But because of what the web has become. Now, am I? I am a capitalist and my pay is – comes from ads. So I'm not against ads. I wrote that last week. We're not going to go through all that again (laughs) in this podcast. But the point is, there's got to be some better way to do uh, the monetization of, of websites. Firefox is in an interesting position. You might want to invent Mozilla if it didn't exist, except you might want to make it smarter than it has been until very recently, which is... It's a company that doesn't need to make a lot of money. I mean it needs to, it needs to be in the black and it, they claim to be in the black. They are in the black primarily because they make their money off what they call royalties, which means they, they do a deal with a search engine to be their default search engine. It used to be with Google, which <laughs> even after Google became their biggest competitor. then it, Now it's with Yahoo, which paid them more than Google. Now Yahoo's going to be sold, but as Kara Swisher our friend pointed out on Recode and I linked to this in the column, they have this clause in the deal where if Verizon or it didn't say that in the in the contract cuz they didn't know who might buy Yahoo, but now it's Verizon. If they don't like Verizon, they still get paid about 400 million dollars a year, which for them being a small company is a lot of money and enough to run and enough to do this stuff. So um, they're in a good position to put up a browser that doesn't have some of the economic uh, uh, constraints surrounding it that a normal purely for-profit company would have and try to do something – try to create a a realistic alternative, including on mobile. And we'll see. Uh, By the way, there's no – way to tell whether Apple might change the rules. I mean, Apple used to have all kinds of closed rules on all kinds of things. They didn't used to allow, you know, alternate keyboards. Same argument, by the way, security mm-hmm. and privacy. That's the argument they're making about the browser thing. They used to have arguments. I mean, they, they used to have all this other stuff. Uh, I, I, I have no information that they're going to change, but maybe they will. You never know. And even if they don't, we both agree that Mozilla has been able to do something good with focus, so I just think it's worth looking at products that used to be important to people's lives and people used to love. And I'm some people still use Firefox every day. I've been hearing from pretty much all of them on Twitter today, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a lot of those tweets. You really,
0: really and, riled up the the Firefox people this week.
1: Yeah, and and I to me. Part of our job as journalists, it's just fascinating. As tech journalists, is to watch these companies succeed—that's fascinating. I mean, God, the you know the Steve Jobs era at Apple it was fascinating, and it was a huge. They went went from giant success to success. It's fascinating to watch companies, str- you know, struggle with change, which I think is going on at Apple right now. Yeah, uh, although they, in, in, by many metrics, they continue to be very successful. Um, it's fascinating to watch companies fail and die. Yeah. We watch that. In the case of Mozilla, it's kind of, it's. In fact, there's a quote in the piece. It's that we're not dead. The guy's like surprised. <laughs> <laughs> we're not dead. He said, "What we went through, we should have been dead, but we're not dead. So this is what we're doing now." And that, to me, that's an, a really interesting thing, particularly with a product that was beloved. There aren't that many products that had people as passionate fans. Yeah. And and Firefox. This thing was that you're describing,
0: the first thing you do out of the box with a new computer is put Firefox on it, right? I mean, that was real. Yeah. And people did it excitedly. They're like, "What are you doing? Why are you using IE? You got to get they are evangelizing Firefox." And now, right. you get a new computer and it's like, "Well, I got to get Chrome on here." And it's not nearly right. the the excitement over, "Hey, there's something better." It's just, "This is the new default." Right? And this thing you're saying about Chrome performance is true. I, I have a new MacBook Pro here, and for better or worse, I can slow it down at will by loading up a bunch of Chrome tabs, which is not a great reflection on the MacBook Pro. Which is
1: why I primarily use Safari on Macs, and and actually, I think is a little bit underrated. I think it's pretty good. I think, like a lot of the software Apple does, they need to pay more attention to it, uh, but it's I can't think of any huge problems with it other than it crashes a little more than it it, it it should and when I say a little more, I mean in my case maybe once every few weeks, which I think is too often, yeah, but it isn't like every day so you know but I think I, there's I go one, back and forth
0: I think it's funny that you say that you know Mozilla's claim is that people browse more on iOS than other platforms I think part of that is you get kicked into the web browser on iOS apps quite a bit, and then you end up browsing around in there. Maybe people are just using their phones more. That's something that Apple has claimed for a long time. But I Not think, just Apple,
1: but third parties, yeah. You know?
0: Right. Well, Apple has claimed that people use their iOS
1: devices more than people use Android devices. Apple has, but, I mean, there are third parties who say the same thing.
0: Fair. To me, one of the biggest kind of challenges for Apple's model is that discovering new capabilities for your phone... Through the app store and downloading and installing apps is there's just a lot of friction there, right? Like, I don't want to install a new app. I think the the number the stats show that the number the average number of new apps installed every month by the average user is zero.
1: No, no, no. I know, but this is another. Well, no. Podcast, but let, me, right? let me finish a thought.
0: The web okay. still has zero friction for discovering new things. I say, hey, check out a new website or check out a new you know, tool that you can use on the web. Absolutely. And you Absolutely. just type it into the browser and you go, it's right there, it's already loaded. And, and that's can... what
1: Twitter is, by the way, it's just a bunch of links. Right. I mean, if you really use it well, uh, and you learn a lot from it, it's because you have been uh, in your Twitter feed or, or in Facebook the same way, people have been posting links. Right. To things that your browser shows you. Well, the in-app browser on Twitter, but yes. Yeah.
0: Right. You, you, you Twitter doesn't often kick you into safari it opens the in app browser
1: mm, it's still safari it's, fair. <laughs> it's or whatever your default browser but, is but my um, point
0: is if you if we're looking at the broad sweep of where does innovation happen not in the hardware side but on the software side it's easier to get to customers on the web, still because you can just get a link out in the world and people can see it. Versus you build this app, you deploy it, you got to get through the app store policies, you got to do all this stuff, you got to market it, and then it's you got to convince but people to
1: Most it. of the innovation has been because of of, of of the smartphone has been apps for years. Now maybe that's changing.
0: Uh, well, I mean, Apple's it, having to reboot their the entire app store and how it works. That's because correct. It's, it's that's correct. Down. But I'm
1: I'm just stating a fact, which is. A lot of the energy out, went out of web development, starting in 2008 mm-hmm. when Apple opened it up and and uh, Android launched and um. And 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 went into app development away from web development and into app development. If you looked at the ads, oh yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. I'm saying
0: still to this day, even after all that happened, that whole app revolution to this day, it's still easier to get it is get somebody to look at your thing with a web address than an app store link. And I think that that's, it's just an opportunity that's still there, I think, for the people who care about the web. That I would, if you asked me today, what would you rather launch, a new website or a new app? I think I would still pick website, right? I think the app market is just so challenging. What I would actually say is like YouTube channel. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But but I'm in the media and that's how I think. What I would say, say you have to do is all of them you now the only, and the only question is what order do you do them in and you probably 4 years ago you would have said definitely do an app first and you wouldn't say that now uh, it's just become too crowded so you would say either the probably the youtube channel then the website then the app but you want to be everywhere and then some and then you know make sure you have the right deals and the and the right code for for facebook and yeah and, and, and Google and Apple News and And that, that's just for a media site that.
0: obviously. That's that's where our heads naturally lie. And yeah. of course, you know the verge we live in a world where we have 90 channels. I just mean like even in the most abstract the fastest way to people is still the web. And I think that that is to me that's the it it's the enduring power of the web that no matter who you are, what browser you're using, if you do it right, you can get to everyone equally
1: but let me Without any let me bring this let me bring this back to a more concrete yeah. thing which is the web is instantiated through a thing called a browser mm-hmm. and that's true on mobile and it's and it's and it's true on desktop you may not see all the chrome in the browser if you're doing it through facebook or twitter but it it, it is there's is a rendering engine there is a there is a, a, a browser of some definition involved and that browser is generally usually based on the stats chrome and so we're getting to sort of the point of the monoculture that used to exist with ie because the number two browser is ie which is dying and abandoned Mm -hmm. by its own creator
0: well it's been replaced by edge
1: Not really, not in terms of share, not in terms of usage. So unless Edge picks up, unless Macs with Safari and people using Safari suddenly become a lot more – a lot higher percentage than they are today, um, Chrome is going to stay there. So Firefox coming back, if if they can execute, is an interesting story and it gives them some clout to – Make the even even push the web further into people's consciousness, both both users and developers against apps against uh, navigational search and whatever else they think are dangers to the open web,
0: yeah the open and that, web. so
1: there are high stakes
0: i again, I think the web is the single most important platform it it's what enabled almost all of this other stuff to happen, and so I think having a guardian of the web idealistically is tremendously important. So, you know, in that sense, I very much, I agree with you. I'm, I'm rooting for Mozilla. I think they just have to find things about the web that resonate with consumers beyond ideals, because I don't think consumers give a rat's ass about ideals, unless it's privacy, in which case some of them might care. But I think as, as we have seen time and time again, convenience can often trump privacy as well. So there's there's a lot there, but I think finding the pieces of the web that are resonant with consumers and provide opportunity for other innovators is that's the big piece for Mozilla, and I, maybe they can do it. But it's that's the that's the actual thing beyond just the ideals that we both I think agree are are worth guarding pretty jealously.
1: I agree, and I think uh, listeners should know that we're going to keep track of mozilla's i might we're not going to do a weekly mozilla piece, <laughs> this podcast is about to take
0: a really deep wonky pivot
1: <laughs> yeah, th- no we're not going to do that but but we're not going to Mozilla
0: weekly with Walt and
1: i mean one reason i wrote about this is boy it's been years since i've looked at firefox you know there's a whole bunch of reasons i, I did this piece but that was one of them so i'm not going to wait years and years i'm going to check in on it maybe in another maybe in a year and see whether they've made good on these promises and i'm going to talk to them every once in a while, and I assume other reporters at The Verge will as well, uh, because we ought to watch it. Maybe they'll die. That would be a story, too. I'm not wishing that, but, you know, whatever happens, it's our job to Well, maybe Verizon will just
0: buy them, too. They'll just keep snapping up, and they'll recombine them with uh, AOL and recombine that inside (laughs) Netscape, and we'll just go back to the future completely. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's like, come on It's a, it's a reasonable It'll possibility be one company, that that will rise and covering And then says, that
1: company will buy us <laughs> And we'll all be together
0: I can confidently say that no one at this company Would would, would want to go back and work at AOL again <laughs> I can, <laughs> too, well, too much I'm history gone. there for me man.
1: I'm gone, Eli And yeah. I didn't ever work at AOL But I'm gone if that
0: happens <laughs> so. I know. You, you can go back to the journal Well, I'll just go back to once we came It'll be great We'll just start it again. <laughs> oh, what the hell? I think on that, somewhat yep. hilarious, but also vision of a dark future note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should wrap things up. There's a bunch of other stuff to listen to. I'm sure uh, we've mentioned we've mentioned Dieter on the show a million times today, but I'm sure Dieter and I will talk about the open web tomorrow on the VergeCast, uh, because we talk about you the should. open web on the VergeCast nearly every week. Uh,
1: but that comes out on Fridays. But now Dieter has all this new ammo from what I wrote, <laughs> yeah. so...
0: Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get deep <laughs> into it. Um, it's also just a bunch of sort of tech policy, net neutrality stuff that I think we're gonna talk in our chest this oh week my as God. well. Yeah. So if you're if you're into the deep nerd, idealistic stuff. Tomorrow's broadcast, the one to listen to, uh, Lauren Good, who uh, we both admire very much, hosts uh, "Too Embarrassed to Ask" on the Recode side. Peter Kafka hosts Recode uh, Media, which is wonderful, and Kara Swisher, who we also mentioned on the show, hosts Recode Decode, which is having quite a run lately. She's she's fired up. She's got a new column. It's it's all great stuff.
1: Tons she's and tons. fired up. She's ready to go. Yeah, exactly. I, I had breakfast with her the other day. She's fired up, ready to go. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a year. This administration is off off and running and it more of it i think touches tech and tech policy than than anybody expected to happen and it's going to be really interesting so bunch of stuff I to agree. listen to go on itunes find it all rate it all give it all five stars uh we'll be back next week so listen to us you can reach us i'm at reckless on twitter walt is at walt mossberg we love your feedback so much uh, and i love getting your intros walt loves getting your intro so keep sending those along please don't all send the same thing this week that was the thing last week but uh, we love them, so keep sending them in, and we'll be back.
1: Patriots intros would be good for next week. I don't, you know. It's, Just a hint to readers.
0: As the person who picks the intros, I can say, you can try, and we'll see where it uh, goes. There's
1: no rule against me doing an alternate back. <laughs> Walt sneaks <laughs> into alternate the sound booth intro. late at night to record <laughs> alternate intros. <laughs> All right. I'll be on the dark
0: web receiving them. <laughs> All right, we'll see how this goes. This this show's going to get real testy as the Super Bowl comes up. I can feel it coming. Uh, But that's it for this week. We will uh, see you again next week. Thanks a lot, Walt.
1: Thanks a lot, Neil.